Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views somewhere around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? Going well. Happy New Year. Well, kind of, sort of. Almost. Almost Happy New Year. Um, Merry Christmas. uh, Yes. I guess a few days after. And we're recording this before Christmas, so full disclosure. But we will drop it after. So hopefully everyone has had a good week. Yeah, I hope so as well. Yeah, and like you said, we we are recording this a little bit before Christmas. That way we can kind of take a break from the podcast, step back, and and have a, a week with our families and just kind of hang out. And uh, But I, this is one of the podcasts, I, there are two or three every year that I really look forward to. Yes. And this is one of those episodes. This is one I love. I love, my two favorites actually are this one and the annual meeting recap. Although I'm yes. a lot more exhausted when we record that one. I was going to say, I'm a little bit more alert today than I was. Right, <laughs> right. We I always so have drained like, at those. I always have pounding headaches whenever we record that one, but have a lot of coffee with me. Uh, but this one is fun because it's just really good to reflect. And one of the things I love that we do is in our first episode of every year, uh, which we'll do this after the new year, we throw out 10 questions that we have for the coming year. So the thing I enjoy the most is when we answer those questions, which is really yes. fascinating exercise. Yes. Some of these we, we kind of look at, and it's always funny to do this because we put out these questions at the beginning of the year, and then we look back at them and suddenly you're like, why were you even worried about that? Like right. At, at, right. At what point? And, and you and I both, typically we go back and we listen to that first episode to know what we were thinking. What were we thinking? We yeah. That. Yeah. And the other thing that's interesting is I don't I don't know about you, but in my sort of process in this, I typically will decide my votes for the top stories of the year first before I go back and look at the questions. And I'm always intrigued by that matchup because there are usually one or two that we had a question about and it did become the top story, you know, and I didn't necessarily remember that. Um, and then, as you said, there are a couple of questions that I think, what? That wasn't even a thing. So yes, yes, really funny. There's a couple of these on this list, but yes. I mean, they were, they were things. They just weren't like to the level of why were you asking about that? Because right. a lot of things, I, I think it's fair. Is it fair to say, Amy? 2018 brought us more surprises than any year we've been doing this podcast. I would say so. Yes. That's a more fair surprises. assessment. Yeah. And it brought for the SBC more surprises than in the entire time I've been a Southern Baptist. I think 2018 was, was quite a year. <laughs> All put together, probably. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Wow. All right. So here, here's the rundown, folks. What we're going to do, we're going to do our, our, we're going to recap our questions first. Uh, and, and answer those questions that we had for the SBC in 2018. Then we're going to look at the top 10 stories. We're going to count those down 10 to 1, like a good countdown does. And, uh, and and if you play this thing precisely at, I don't know what time, on midnight, we'll get to the number one stories when the ball drops, I'm sure. Um, so I hope I, people aren't doing that. That did, that That's a terrible way to spend New Year That'd be a fantastic this. way to spend New Year. If you spend, <laughs> I, Allison Young would spend her New Year doing that. She's our number one fan. So she may do that. And then and then at the end, we're also going to go over a, a quick recap uh, because we have a blog post with all more, uh, a lot more information about these folks. But the 10 most fascinating Southern Baptists of 2018, when right. Amy puts on her Barbara Walters hat and, um, and gives us her 10 most fascinating Southern Baptists. They don't have to be the biggest newsmakers. They just have no. to be the people that, that kind of piqued our interest and, and made us you know, remember what it's like to be Southern Baptists uh, in, in one way or another. So yes, um, we have 10 of those and we've we got some audio to go along with those, Amy. 
So it's going to be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. So before we get into this, we do want to thank our friends over at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary located in Louisville, Kentucky for uh, their commitment to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral programs by visiting sbts.edu. All right, Amy, let's jump into this. Our first question. What will be the result of the IMB board's trial period for David Platt serving as teaching pastor at McLean Bible Church? Well, that's a pretty easy one to answer. Yes. Dr. Platt stepped away during the year. He did. To, to go full-time at McLean Bible Church. So uh, I don't know if the trial period even ended. I think we got an answer. I think before the trial period ended, uh, he made that announcement first part of February of 2018. And right. uh, his last uh, day in office was uh, around August of 2018. And I think something like that, yeah. Yeah, August or September of 2018. And then uh, it might have been September. And then Paul Chitwood was named the new IMB president in November. So that's a right. year of transition, as they said, over the IMB this year. All right. So question number two was, how will economic changes in the U.S. impact church finances? Will giving meet the 2018 cooperative program allocation budget? Will the Lottie Moon Christmas offering rebound after the normalization in 2017? And will the Annie Armstrong Easter offering continue its growth in 2018? I liked the answer to this one. This yes, is a good answer. It's positive. Uh, yes. Because, well, we exceeded the budget. Right. But we, we technically did not meet the last year's giving level. However, last year had an asterisk because of the $3 million boost from Florida Baptist after the sale of their building. Not a normal, right. quote unquote, year. Um, so we, right. we were higher. I mean, if you, if you take that out, we're higher, higher, higher every year the last few years. Uh, I think since yes. 2014, 15. I think when we started this podcast, I think every year we've had the podcast, Amy, CP has gone up technically, if, if you throw that asterisk in there for the uh, the year before last. So I, th I think it's us, honestly. I'm going to just leave you out on a limb to say that and, and not, okay. uh, you know, correlation and ca correlation does not necessarily mean causation. And uh, so Thank I'll, you, Ed I'll just, uh, yeah, so I will just uh, be an observer over here. Okay. And then we had a record Annie. We uh, did biggest Annie Armstrong ever, sixty million plus. I think it was like sixty-two million, somewhere in that range. Um, and then our second best Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But again, I'm going to throw an asterisk on that because it was kind of our best Lottie Moon offering without the um, the response that came after the VRI a couple of years ago. So right. put right. an asterisk Th on that, that one. Was, that was a, not a normal yeah. year. Yeah. It wasn't. That was a year where a lot of people were sort of stepping up because of the the. Uh, you know, major, major issues and the big announcements and people kind of understood the, the crisis moment. And uh, so, like you said, it wasn't a completely normal year. Uh, so I think this was, this was good. You know, I, I don't think that they impacted, I don't think economic changes impacted uh, church finances in uh, such a negative way uh, that we saw, uh, that, that we saw anything disappointing in that. Yeah. And as we move into 2019, I think we're also seeing a a little bit stronger CP. Our CP is up year over year, uh, like 2.47%, I believe it was the last month reported uh, at the end of November. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged on the economic side of the SBC. Well, you know, everybody's kind of bracing for a potential recession in the stock markets and things like that next year. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. We'll see. Uh, none of us know. And, uh, but right now things look good on the economic front. Number three, who will be the next chairman of the executive committee of the SBC? This was important because of the role that uh, Stephen Rummage had been playing 
uh, with some things that were going on interagency wise in the SBC. We'd had him on the podcast as well, interviewed him about some some things that were going on, and uh, we we had no idea uh, the the role that Dr. Rummage would play uh, at the executive committee uh, come April and May, uh, and oh, come March and April of 2018. Uh, but Mike Stone was elected in June as the next chairman. And, and Mike Stone, of course, serving on the search committee, seeking out the next president of the executive committee after Frank Page's resignation in uh, in March. And our fourth question was, how will healthcare changes affect Guidestone? It depends on how you look at it, Amy. It, obviously, we've had some increases in cost of healthcare. That's been something every healthcare provider, uh, insurance provider has has seen. But they did begin a new low-cost program, uh, announced that out at the uh, SBC and, and brought that out, I think, in July, announced that low-cost uh, low program, uh, a lower-cost program uh, from Guidestone. So that was a positive uh, that we, we saw in 2018. All right, Amy, this one uh, pertains you know, to you. It's kind of in your neck of the woods here. What does 2018 look like for the SBC seminaries? Well, I don't think I have an answer that I expected a year ago. No. Um, well, it, it really depends on what seminary you're at. Right. In general, I'll just say it was a year of highs and lows for SBC seminaries. Let's just put it put it that way. Um, yeah. So I went back and listened to this because when I looked at the questions, I thought, oh, goodness, that's quite a bigger you know, issue than I anticipated. So I went back and listened to figure out what it was that we were asking. And we were speculating about how online education would impact our six seminaries. Like that was what we were really thinking would be the issue. But honestly, it, it, it wasn't the major issue. I mean, there were all sorts. No, leadership was the major issue. Right. Um, so there were all, there've been so many things, uh, that have impacted SBC seminaries this year. There have been, uh, faculty members that have, uh, been terminated or, you know, have left for, for different reasons. Um, we, we experienced that at, uh, at Southeastern, that was at Southern and Midwestern. Um, obviously Southwestern has, has had quite a year, um, that, that everyone has been tracking that story and even, you know, was part of a major debate on the floor, uh, New Orleans, they had their 100th anniversary, but then their transition, uh, was announced that was coming and even gateway, um, you know, they didn't deal with a lot of those things, but they're in their, you know, kind of new location, finally, uh, working to, to make all of those adjustments and, uh, and being in California, some of the issues in higher ed just become, you know, right there at their front door as those things have much greater urgency where they are. So I would say it was a, a year of a lot of challenges for SBC seminaries that we did not anticipate. Um, but a year of a lot of good. I think a lot of folks came together. A lot of folks were reminded of what our seminaries are for. They got behind them. And so, uh, I think we just, like you said, a lot of, a lot of highs and lows. Enrollment still, uh, looking good in a lot of our, our seminaries. And we still, we're training people for, uh, the gospel you know, to training people to be ministers of the gospel. And so uh, it highs and lows, that's how I'd put it. Yeah, two or three uh, things that you, you didn't mention in there that kind of play a part in this is the new uh, female chairman, first chairman yes. of the board at Southeastern, uh, first female seminary board chairman. Uh, also, the the release of the history of slavery and racism at Southern, that was a, a huge news story at the end of the, the year. And then also the, the opening of the Mathena Center at Midwestern. Right. 
uh, you know, just a great new student center up there and in Kansas City. So, I mean, there, there's been highlights. There's been news stories uh, from all of our seminaries. Uh, you know, Southwestern garnered much of the attention this year because of the leadership transition there right. and, and how all that played out. So, and we head into 2019 with two of those still looking that's for right. leaders. Yes. Uh, so that's something I'm, I'm sure that you'll hear on next week's podcast. As we, about, uh, yeah, as we have as we questions. So, yes. But, but that's, everybody has those but questions. Let's not right? say we, we're not revealing our questions yet. People can just guess. Yeah. <laughs> But if you didn't think that was going to be on there, wow, this must be your first time that you've listened to SBC this week. All right. Number six, how much progress will be made in SIN cities in 2018? Well, it depends on what city you're in, I guess. Uh, We've seen SIN cities continue to uh, increase in church planning. We've seen church planning grow in the SIN cities. We've seen an increase in the number of SIN cities as we added Puerto Rico uh, and made that kind of a a SIN city you know, type, I think it's number 32 or number 33 on the Sin City list there. So uh, we, we've seen, I think, growth in Sin Cities, and, and we continue to see that. And whenever we talk through the state recaps, Amy, and we start looking at the leaders and the elected leaders in these non-Southern states most or uh, many times, we start seeing names and churches that are not familiar to us because of the Sin City initiative. And, and I, I told you this earlier this week, I think Sin Cities is the most important thing Southern Baptists have done in the last decade as far as growing as a denomination because we have thousands of churches that we didn't have a couple of years ago with thousands of new pastors who may not have ever been engaged with us, may not have ever been Southern Baptists, who are now starting to get engaged in the process, starting to get engaged in their state conventions, in the national convention. We're starting to see them show up in leadership positions, and that is a good thing. And Kevin Ezell, gold star to you. And I also, again, pointing back to something we talked about earlier, that's one of the main reasons that Annie Armstrong is up. Yep. So good. That was a good answer. Well, thank you. It was a good question, Amy. So number seven, what will be the decision on the Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission? And what will be its impact on religious liberty in the United States? This has been uh, actually a very interesting one. Uh, We did get an answer from the U.S. Supreme Court. They ruled that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission was in error when it ruled that uh, that Jack Phillips could not refuse to make a wedding cake for a gay couple because his religion doesn't support gay marriage. The ruling said that they were exhibiting hostility toward his religious beliefs. So they said that the Civil Rights Commission was was wrong, and uh, it was it was seen as a win for Masterpiece Cake Shop. But it was a very narrow uh, decision. Now, when we talk about uh, when we talk about opinions being narrow or broad, we're not talking like narrow-minded or narrow. We're talking about it's very specific, the questions it it answered. Um, And it didn't really answer the question about uh, how do we balance protecting from discrimination with the right, you know, to freedoms of speech and religion. Um, So another thing popped up with Masterpiece Cake Shop and they are, in the courts again. Uh, there was another dispute that involved um, a, a cake request for a transgender customer. 
that was uh, celebrating a transition anniversary and, and birthday, and, and he did not, and, and he refused to make a cake. So the Civil Rights Commission came back, said it violated their non-discrimination law. Uh, and this was just after the Supreme Court ruling when it happened. So Masterpiece Cake Shop has sued um, again, saying that they are biased, that they're kind of coming uh, coming after him. So it's very interesting. The answer to the question, you know, is that we did have a ruling and the impact, uh, I think is still yet to be known because it was, it was a more narrow, uh, ruling. So it hasn't answered all the questions out there. Um, but there's new developments. It's back in there again. Um, yeah. so I, I think this, uh, this is just going to be a continuing conversation in the broader culture and certainly something that uh, Southern Baptists have a great deal of interest in um, because of our stance on religious liberty. Absolutely, Amy. And that moves us to number eight, Amy. Will the minister's housing allowance be repealed? It's still in courts. Um, remember last year we had a federal judge in Wisconsin deem the benefit to be an unconstitutional preference for religion. Uh, which which invalidated the minister housing allowance in Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin, but that was stayed, and it went up to the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Seventh Circuit. Now, they have had oral arguments back in October, and we're waiting on a decision on that to see if they will leave the benefit intact or by reversing the decision or if they will allow that to, to go on. And the weird thing is, Amy, if that happens, only – churches in Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin would be affected unless the IRS deems uh, that they should apply this nationwide to promote consistency among the taxpayers. At that point, it's likely the Supreme Court could maybe get involved and we'd have a a nationwide ruling. So this one's still kind of up in the air. Uh, It's something that if you're a pastor and you're using using the benefit of the ministry housing allowance, I would be preparing for that to go away at some point in the future. It may not be this year, it may not be 2020, 2021, but the way things are tracking uh, and the way the courts are ruling on this, I would not be surprised to see this go away within the next few years. I think we even mentioned that last year whenever we talked about this, but uh, that's something that you know, Dr. Rayner's written a lot about over his blog, the church tax, uh, churchlawandtax.com right. has written about as well. So uh, if that's something that you're using, I would highly suggest that you just kind of Keep that in the back of your mind. That may be going away. Start preparing. All right, Amy. One of the big questions that everybody had heading into 2018 was, who will run for SBC president and what will the outcome be of that election? Well, uh, I think we had an answer that was not as surprising uh, for many and then an answer that was a, a surprise. So we had two candidates. Absolutely. We had two candidates. I think a lot of people were anticipating an announcement that someone would nominate J.D. Greer. And so that did come. Uh, but then another nomination announcement came. Uh, Ken Hemphill, the former uh, president of Southwestern Seminary, um, got into the race and was nominated as well. Um, so that that uh, certainly dominated our news cycle for um, several weeks and, uh, you know, just really heated up uh, in terms of discussion back and forth about it. Yeah. Um, a lot of discussions that we'd never had before right. based on campaigning and CP fund right. usage and, Th- and just different things like through. that. There was a lot of, a lot of discussions yes. that we'd never had before. So right, and we, and we had delightful conversations with both of them. Uh, we were very appreciative that they uh, came on the podcast and and answered some some things uh, of interest for our listeners. Uh, so it was a it was a big deal. Um, and the winner uh, is as um, 
most, if you're listening to our year-end episode, you already know, uh, was J.D. Greer, uh, one with almost 70% of the vote. So Yes, quite a, a big margin of victory there in uh, in Dallas. So, and, and speaking of Dallas. This is a hard question. I'm sad about this question. The question was, will we break 10,000 messengers in Dallas? And the answer is no, but we were so close. Yes, so close. 9,632 messengers showed up in Dallas and we came just close. And I owe Dr. Aiken a stake at some point, but we haven't chatted about that I since. Know. So we, we need to... We need to talk. We were really trying. Now, this number was way up. So setting the goal was really uh, was really good. Uh, of course, the year before had been in Phoenix. We had 5,015 there. But in St. Louis in 2016, it was 7,321. So, you know, we basically beat that by a couple of thousand more messengers who came. Um, the last time uh, that we had more than this was uh, in Orlando in 2010. We had 11,075. So... My well, I'm gonna wait. Yeah. I'll set. I'll have to set a goal for next year. But um, but we we got to keep climbing up. Yeah, and to be fair, like that ten thousand was just some arbitrary number you and I have been throwing around. Right. No, nobody in the SBC was saying, "Hey, let's get to ten thousand people." No, that was just I mean, you and me. It, it was just you and I, and and we were just trying to figure out, hey, you know, that would really be cool. We should get to ten thousand. Yes. And and get the people coming back. And while we may not have gotten to ten thousand, Amy. The makeup of that room was drastically different than anything really we've was. seen in the past few years. It really was. Great level so of participation. that encourages me. I'm encouraged as well. All righty. Uh, that's going to bring us to our top 10 stories countdown style, Amy. We start off with our number 10 story of the year, Amy. The CP exceeded budget again, and we had record Annie Armstrong and the second best uh, Lottie Moon. We kind of talked about this earlier in our, our question and answer period, but... And uh, that's story number 10. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still, it's still a big story though, because especially as we went into the year, we weren't sure uh, what was going to happen. It being a different, uh, you know, different year uh, for Lottie Moon, kind of moving past some of the urgent years. Uh, and uh, so really great news. And I think kind of the, the biggest one that was a huge surprise in that was the record Annie Armstrong. Um, that was that was pretty cool, kind of one you know just weren't expecting. Uh, so that that's a a big big story. Um, I think for us as ref, as we reflect on the year, um, and I hope that we have a similar story popping up uh, next year. Absolutely. All right. So number nine was uh, the Illumination Project and its fallout uh, for the Southern Baptist Convention. Like the Illumination Project was not actually an SBC. Thing. I mean, it was the CBF, basically their policies on LBGTQ hiring policies at uh, the headquarters and as, as well as for missionaries and things sent out by the CBF. But the fallout resulted in some discontinuation of SBC state conventions partnership with the CBF. So we saw the BGCT cut ties as well as the BGAV. So in Texas and Virginia, uh, we had two state conventions who were partnered with the CBF and in cooperative program funding. If you were members of those conventions in those states, you could have some of your CP funding go to the CBF. Whenever this passed, that stopped and both right. uh, state conventions immediately ceased a partnership with the CBF. Uh, we saw several CBF churches leave the CBF as well, uh, not really come back to the SBC, but that that was a bridge too far for many of them. 
And then also uh, later in the year, we saw Kentucky Baptists pass at their annual meeting a resolution saying if you're a duly aligned church, then you will no longer be recognized as a, a member of the KBC. And they're, they're given some time period for, you know, handling that and, and some time for transitioning and, and for churches to, to get straight on some things on that. So, uh, you know, that isn't an immediate cutoff in the, in the KBC, but at the same time, they've allowed churches to, to make that decision, basically saying you're with us or you're with the CBF. So we, we've seen that fall out across the SBC. It'd be fascinating to see uh, what the future of the CBF is as a result, because uh, Susie Painter, who was their executive director of the CBF, she resigned earlier this year and uh, retired, actually. Uh, she retired earlier this year, and uh, they are seeking a new executive director of the CBF. So uh, we'll see where where they head after this. Um, you know, it, it's it's been a, a difficult year for them as well uh, because of this and uh, had a chance, well, actually, while we were in Dallas, Amy, the, their meeting was in Dallas like a day after ours. So I yeah. had a chance to actually go by there and, and to the, the convention and, and see it. And, you know, you kind of walk around the SBC annual meeting and then you go to that one and it, the, the two are not alike in, in any ways, uh, size wise, especially. And then, uh, I think they're actually going to be in Birmingham this next year too. So wow. they're following us around the country. It's, it's kind of weird how that works out. But, um, but anyway, you know, we'll, we'll see what the, uh, the, the end result of the CBF is for this. Yeah. And that brings us to story number eight, the data breach at IMB back in uh, July. Yeah. So this was kind of a, a one that um, that popped up. It it was something that the IMB had to come and tell. I mean, a lot of a lot of people in their system, uh, their system had been accessed. So there was some concern yeah. about, you know, uh, sensitive information, things like that. Uh, they were very quick to inform everyone and, and to give people access to some security uh, measures that could help, you know, but uh, but this was something I mean, that's a it's a big deal because uh, the IMB has so much information uh, connected with it. And I think this is also coming on the heels of so much in our uh, political life and so many of the questions surrounding Facebook and um, where our data is going, uh, that for this to sort of hit Southern Baptist life, uh, you know, it, it kind of sends up your radar a little bit uh, to just, we have to be careful. I mean, you know, whether we are shopping at Target or uh, whether we are participating in, in things together, uh, we're having to really watch how to keep our information secure. Yeah. So uh, so that that was a big one. It's one that maybe in, in all the other things that we've talked about, you know, kind of gets uh, forgotten. Uh, but it was it was a big story. Uh, so number seven was the one that was kind of a surprise story. Uh, Guidestone. Very much Guidestone so. sells their headquarter, uh, sells their their building, the building where they had their headquarters um, and relocated to Dallas. Yeah. The first week of January last year, they announced that they had sold. Uh, the 2,000 square foot office building that they had in Dallas, and we're going to relocate to the Pinnacle Towers, uh, just right on the LBJ Freeway there in Dallas, in North Dallas, and, and that they were going to lease uh, 115,000 square feet in the top floors of that tower. So I actually had the chance to to swing by and see the building whenever we were driving through Dallas for the SBC annual meeting. I actually wound up driving right by it and saw it. It's a gorgeous building, uh, the new one. Um, we never did hear a sales price, but it was uh, last valued at $33.55 million, the, the office building that they sold. But uh, Guidestone has relocated. We mentioned that on the podcast late in uh, 2018, uh, in the fall there. They relocated to the new space in the Pinnacle Tower. 
and uh, have moved all their offices. So, uh, you know, Lifeway moved in 2017. Guidestone moves in 2018. Wonder if anybody will move in 2019, Amy. Uh, I can tell you who's not moving. That's Southeastern. Amy but. Whitfield. Okay. <laughs> and Amy Whitfield. That's right. <laughs> yes. I moved in 2018 from Lebanon to Franklin. But you did. You did. That was different. Yeah. So me, Guidestone, Lifeway, all the cool people moving in 2018. All right. So uh, also one of the, uh, the sad stories of the year, Amy, back in February, Billy Graham passed away at age 99. Yeah, this was a, a, a sad one. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously as he was getting up in age, I mean, 99, almost a hundred years old. Um, we had, had known of his health decline, uh, for a long time. Uh, so it was, it was sad, but then what a celebration that, uh, that service was. And, uh, I was very, uh, just touched as I would, as I watched the coverage of it. There was, a lot of coverage of it here in North Carolina. Um, and we talked about that some on the podcast. I was really moved because I think I told you I learned about my dad, you know, going as a boy uh, to a crusade. I also listened to his sermon um, from Southeastern back, uh, you know, over 50 years ago and was really just moved as I was riding in my car listening to it. So we got an opportunity to really reflect on his legacy. And uh, that was that was a happy uh, sort of side to that. Um, but certainly a big story. That's going to be a big news story in so many, you know, year-end things just in the, U- the U.S. alone, obviously for uh, larger, you know, Christian uh, publications, um, for evangelicalism and then uh, for uh, national news. That's That was a, a very, very big story, uh, but certainly a big one in Southern Baptist life as he was a Southern Baptist. Yeah. And, and you know, for it to land at number six on our list, there's yeah. some big stories this year. It's big, yeah. So, big news. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a huge deal. Like you said, I mean, that's going to be on the top 10 list of like regular secular news lists. Right. Uh, so that, that's a, it's a big, big story uh, in the, the broader evangelical world. And, and, and I was very touched by all the tributes yes. uh, to him, including the, uh, some of the, the pictures we got of the, the motorcade driving right. past Ridgecrest. And he also you know, laid in the rotunda. And we had three special viewings in the Capitol Rotunda this year, and Billy Graham was one of them, along with John McCain and George H.W. Bush. That's right. Amy, and don't forget, John McCain was a regular attender at North Phoenix Baptist Church. That's correct. Yep, that's correct. All right, so number five uh, was the Southern Baptist Convention or the Executive Committee on behalf of the Southern Baptist Convention voting to uh, disfellowship Raleigh White Baptist Church um, over racism. Yes, and, and this has been going on for two years, not unbeknownst to us, really. I mean, this was going on behind the scenes in Georgia. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board, along with the New Seasons Church and the association, the local association, the Mallory Baptist Association, had been investigating claims of racism by the Raleigh White Baptist Church toward New Seasons Church. Raleigh White Baptist Church, named for the former pastor of First Baptist in Albany, Georgia. His name was Raleigh White. So that church in the Albany area was disfellowshipped after racist claims were backed up and proven uh, by the Georgia Baptist Mission Board as well as the Mallory Baptist Association. And, and we, we saw those two organizations remove fellowship with Raleigh White Baptist Church in April, and then we saw the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention do the same in June in Dallas uh, in their meeting. This is a big deal because we have disfellowshipped uh, in recent years over stances on homosexuality, but this is the first time we've seen it uh, on the issue of racism. Yes, absolutely. 
All right, Amy, story number four is one that uh, we have discussed, uh, it seems like, on every level of the Southern Baptist Convention, and that is sexual abuse. We've seen it in churches. We've seen it in entities. We've seen it uh, with former uh, pastors uh, who have left the Southern Baptist Convention, and then, you know, there, there's different things. And we, we saw it on just kind of a the the Me Too, the Church Too moment uh, across the board in the SBC, a, a huge story in the SBC, as well as evangelicalism, as well as just the secular world, uh, sexual abuse has has made headlines in 2018. Right, and it was very difficult. We could not uh, really limit it to one story. Uh, we covered this multiple times uh, as it affected everyone. It affected people um, either by direct situations or by handling of situations or, you know, whatever. Um, it, it was at our uh, may at, at our churches, some small churches, some major churches, uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention. It was, uh, state conventions were having to, to deal with this issue. Um, and our entities were having to deal with this issue. And, uh, so it, it was a difficult year for that reason. Um, and, and kind of a hard, uh, theme, I guess is how I would put it. A theme of, of several stories. It, it was hard to, uh, to have to talk about, um, so on the one hand, it's just really heartbreaking. On the other hand, the, the good in this being a big story of 2018 is if these things are happening, uh, then we need to recognize that, that turning on the lights to this is the right thing. Um, and it is the right, uh, first step, um, to, to changing things, to things being different, you know, and that of course leads to the advisory group that, uh, the, the SBC president, JD Greer, um, has convened, uh, and will be reporting on their work this next year, uh, because tangible, you know, action steps and, and ways for us to address this at every level, I think are very important. And it begins with acknowledging, uh, the, the reality of these stories. Uh, so as hard as it is to, to put that in this, in this list, because it means that we had so many, um, it, it's right to acknowledge and to, and to discuss. So, uh, it, I think it's going to be important, uh, to see, uh, what comes in the year ahead. Absolutely. And I, I look forward to the report from SBC President J.D. Greer. Yes. Um, so moving on to, sto- to uh, story number three, which was really also a compilation of, of several stories, kind of a theme of the year. So this was our third biggest story of 2018. It was all the leadership transitions. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, we always kind of anticipate there will be some, but we had so many, some, uh, that were kind of normal, just, you know, retirement decisions, uh, or whatever, uh, and some that were not. Yes. And, and some of them that hit close to home, uh, because my boss was one of those leadership transitions. Tom Rainer announced his retirement from Lifeway. Uh, we also had retirements by Chuck Kelly down at New Orleans, a resignation by David Platt at the IMB to take the uh, pastorate at McLean Bible Church, and we had resignations by uh, Frank Page at the SBC Executive Committee after moral failure, and then a removal of Page Patterson at Southwestern by the trustees there. So uh, these are major, major stories and and have been uh, dominating this podcast as well as Baptist discussion and also the SBC annual meeting, which we'll kind of touch on a little bit later in the show. Uh, but uh, that was a major source of discussion at the SBC annual meeting. And, and as we move into 2018, we still have four entities without leaders, uh, in place for 2019. So at least that's uh, as com- of this recording. Yeah. So as of this we got recording, a few days yeah. left. Yeah. That's true. It, it's possible uh, by the time the next show comes up. But, 
um, it, you know, it's we, we it's still a question as we go into the next year. And that's just on the national level. Then you go to the state level. Hans Dilbeck is uh, the new uh, executive director in Oklahoma, taking over for Anthony Jordan. We've had retirements. Uh, we had that retirement in 2017 that was filled in 2018 in Oklahoma. Then we had a retirement in Georgia. Uh, Bob White announced his retirement, and that was filled by Thomas Hammond. And then we had a retirement in Louisiana by David Hankins announced. Uh, that has not been filled yet. That will be filled in 2019. So, I, I mean, that's on the state level. And then you get down into, you know, major pastorate. I mean, Johnny Hunt and Bryant Wright both announced uh, their transitions away. Uh, Johnny's was a little bit earlier because of him going to NAM at First Baptist Woodstock and, and Jeremy Morton coming on board there. Bryant Wright and Johnson Ferry Baptist Church are starting that process now. So that'll continue into 2019. So just transitions everywhere you look. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. It's a, it's those are just the ones that come to mind. I mean, there's there's others that we haven't even thought about. I, I remember Jordan Easley going to First Baptist Cleveland in Tennessee here. That was a big deal. Jordan's on the board at IMB. Uh, moved from Inglewood to First Baptist uh, Cleveland. Uh, John Mark Harrison moving into the Knoxville area from Apex Baptist up in, in your neck of the woods there. So, uh, And we talked about that on the podcast because of the ramifications for the North Carolina Baptist uh, State Convention pa- uh, presidential race because he was uh, scheduled to be the, one of the candidates there. But uh, just a lot of, lot of things going on. Yeah, really a major, major time of change. And then now we go back to the annual meeting, Amy. Uh, our final two stories, the number two story of the year. Quite a surprise for many whenever they showed up in Dallas that Vice President Mike Pence would be joining us and speaking at the annual meeting. Yeah, that was a big surprise. Um, And, uh, you know, of course, I didn't learn about it until we got there. You know, several of us found out uh, just a couple of steps early before the news came out. And the reason was because if if we were involved in anything on the platform or we had a, a, you know, an armband because of working with an entity for people to get to the platform, we had to provide all this documentation, you know, for the Secret Service. So it was a um, a really kind of wild time there. And then very controversial, you know, that, that first motion of the, of the day on Tuesday about the order of business uh, was packed out and debate was on the floor about wanting to uh, rescind the invitation. Uh, It was kind of, you know, back and forth about that. Then people tried to bring it up again later. Um, Folks were worried about really long lines uh, getting in through the security uh, measures that had been had been put up, but it wasn't you know wasn't as bad as we were afraid. Uh, and then he came, and um, it was it was weird. That's the closest I've ever been to a president, uh, to an and a sitting president or vice president. Uh, just you know, just kind of from me to maybe the other side of the the room that I'm sitting in, I, I was that close, and so that was just kind of a weird, surreal experience. But that room was packed out, um, and even though there was real division. Uh, about uh, whether he should be there or not. Um, I think, you know, we kind of made it through that discussion. The convention kind of spoke as to where they are. And I think there's a lot of thought about how we want to handle that uh, question in in the years to come. Um, so I think one thing I saw in that was however people landed on it, folks were engaging in the process and really thinking about what our meeting, uh, what our meeting is about and what we want to do. And so I'm always happy anytime I see people engaging. Absolutely. And uh, people were very engaged in that uh, discussion. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that 
I think 10 years ago, you'd have seen a, a lot different discussion, Amy. Right. Yes. And we've even seen that as we've looked in, yeah. uh, you know, at this week in SBC the, history. The Dan and Quayle stuff just a couple of weeks ago. Right. And so a lot of times presidents themselves uh, had come to the annual meeting or they had sent telegrams or video messages and vice presidents as well. So this was not a new thing, but I think we have uh, messengers, you know, that are, are kind of coming and getting involved that just maybe have a different way of thinking about it in our current uh, day and political climate. So uh, I'm sure that's a, you know, a conversation that's going to continue. Uh, but most definitely was uh, kind of an interesting thing at the annual meeting that we weren't expecting. All right. So the number one biggest story of 2018, uh, which I think is, is uh, probably number one in a lot of people's lists was the election of J.D. Greer. Yes. And that was uh, the big story. We were kind of, like you mentioned earlier, we were expecting him to be nominated because of everything that had gone on in two years ago over in St. Louis. Uh, leading up to the election, things in the SBC had gotten quite heated uh, on certain sides. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about everything leading up to that election, and then uh, the election came and went, and J.D. Greer won in a landslide victory over Ken Hemphill, uh, cementing his place as the SBC president and, and becoming the first president of the SBC who would be a, a you could consider, a product of the conservative resurgence and uh, the first you know younger president uh, that we've seen in a long time. Right. Uh, in the SBC, and and we we saw that election draw people to the annual meeting. Uh, we saw that that count of ninety six hundred and thirty two messengers at the SBC annual meeting, uh, and many of them because uh, you know uh, we heard it several times in the hallway. We we came to Dallas to vote for JD Greer, and, and there were there was so much of that. A lot of people and, said that, um, yeah. A lot of people there for that, and. And we have seen uh, kind of a different presidency from J.D. Greer, and we've seen him you know, get to work already with uh, some of the things that he's done with the Sexual Abuse Advisory Committee uh, that he's been working for in the task force and the report that they're looking to bring. So uh, we've already seen some of the fruits of his labors as SBC president and wish him the best throughout his tenure as SBC president. Yes. So, but most definitely uh, that was the big story. People were watching for the outcome of that uh, in the months leading up. And then uh, there's been a lot of just interest in, um, in what all he's been doing in the months uh, following. So yes, a big story. Absolutely. All right. So that moves us on to our 10 most fascinating Southern Baptists. There's a full blog post at SBC this week. Dot com. So you can go and check it out and read more about them. We're just going to highlight these real quick and get out of this episode because it's getting close to the hour mark. Uh, but number one, and we're yes. going to do these alpha, and, and these are just in alphabetical order, folks. And these right. are really Amy's. So we'll let Amy discuss why she chose these as her 10 most fascinating Southern Baptist of 2018. Yeah, and just a word about some of the rules. I follow Barbara Walters' rules that she used to do about the 10 most fascinating people, uh, that they all have to be people who are currently uh, living. So that's where, you know, Billy Graham is not on this list um, for that reason. And you can repeat people from years before. So it's just whoever uh, was fascinating uh, in the year uh, 2018. And fascinating has a wide definition. Right, it doesn't it be mean, for good reasons, bad reasons, right. weird it, reasons, just you know, hilarious yeah. reasons, whatever. Yeah, people that that are fascinating that you want to learn more about. So that's yes. it. Yes. All right. So we start with 
Bart Barber, a pastor of First Baptist Farmersville in Texas um, and trustee of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, um, has been well known uh, as a very engaged Southern Baptist and just serving in a lot of different ways for years. Uh, he preached at the pastor's conference in 2017. Um uh, so he's not not a stranger, but uh, I named him for this year uh, as uh, I named him this year just really because uh, he made a, a speech on the floor of the convention uh, that I think you know made it made a big impact in the debate and uh, certainly uh, was it, it didn't make it a was, big impact, Amy. It ended the debate. Right, it absolutely ended the debate. Yes. Period. It was yeah. like mic drop moment. Right. It was a it was a crucial moment uh, for the annual meeting and something that I think was not easy for for him. It had been a, a really tough several weeks. Uh, so I, I just think that was a, a, a major thing of 2018. Um, but but Bart is just a he's fascinating in that he is a faithful uh, Southern Baptist pastor. He is a historian. He's brilliant. Uh, he's just uh, contributed a chapter in Islam in North America uh, that Keith and Micah Fries edited. So uh, there's just a lot of great things about his ministry and how he's contributed for years and years. So uh, so there's more in the blog post, but he's, uh, he's number one in alphabetical order. All right, next up is a man that I'm guessing 99% of Southern Baptists would not have been able to pick out of a crowd a year ago, uh, but now it seems like everybody knows who he is. It's Jeff Bingham, the interim president at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Yes. Uh, so we put him on the list in many ways because he he was just really unknown. Um, so uh, really unknown, like you said, and but has been very important in the last year uh, in doing a lot to try and uh, to try and just take the leadership of Southwestern, get them into the, the fall semester. Um, and I think made a real impact in his president's report uh, this summer as well. Absolutely. I mean, that is the one presidential report from a seminary that I don't think many of us will forget for a long time. And right. every time I've heard him speak, you know, on behalf of the seminary, including at like the executive committee meetings, those things like that, right? I've just been blown away. I mean, so right. he, he has just absolutely impressed me. Yes. And I know a lot of Southern Baptists this year. Yes, and uh, I met him this summer and, and uh, just really appreciated the conversation with him. He also may be the tallest man I've ever met in my life. Um, but uh, He sticks out in the crowd, yes. Yeah, but ch check it out in the post. All right, moving on. Marshall Blaylock. Yes. Marshall Blaylock is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Charleston. He has made a a tremendous impact for years and years, particularly in the area of racial reconciliation. He's uh, no stranger to many Southern Baptists, been very involved. Um, but this year, he also made a real impact because he is the president of the South Carolina Baptist Convention um, and really kind of wrote uh, and and really had to speak into some of the situations that uh, that that the South Carolina Baptist Convention was was impacted by in the sexual abuse uh, cases that we were hearing over the year, uh, one in particular. So we'll go more into that in the blog post, but it just brought him back sort of to the forefront, both in what he's done in racial reconciliation and how he has led uh, the South Carolina Baptist Convention. So Marshall Blaylock. All right. Up next, the new executive director of Puerto Rico Southern Baptist, Felix Cabrera. 
and also second vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, has made major impacts as a pastor in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, we just, uh, Felix Cabrera had to go on this list because he's just doing everything. Uh, so, uh, so we're going to go into him a little bit more. Uh, if you don't know him, uh, you need to get to know him, especially because of uh, the role that he will play in the annual meeting in 2019. Up next is a couple that we featured here on the uh, podcast and, and absolutely just fell in love with, William and Heidi Hahn. Yes, so these are uh, missionaries serving on the field uh, with the IMB. We had a great interview with them. We'll tell a little bit more about them in the post, but also we'll link to that episode so that people can uh, can hear that interview as well. Uh, but it matters, you know. We, we need to to highlight some of our missionaries that are that are on the field on the front lines. And William and Heidi have a very fascinating um, ministry there and a great story. So definitely had to have them on the list. Up next is a, a man that is familiar to me. Many Southern Baptist and a name many had not heard for a while, but it made his appearance again here in 2018, and that's Ken Hemphill. Yeah, definitely wanted to do that because uh, he obviously, as a former a former seminary president, he had been in the middle of a lot of things in Southern Baptist life years ago. But then, with his willingness to have his name placed in nomination, uh, we were back, you know, really discussing him again, his ideas. He was putting his ideas out there. We got to have a great conversation with him. Uh, so uh, it, I think that that he was a very uh, fascinating Southern Baptist of 2018 um, as he participated in the conversation. So I wanted to highlight him. Yes, and, and we should always be willing to have people participate in the process in the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm thankful for Ken and his ministry and his willingness to run this year for SBC president. And uh, we, we always need to keep that in mind. It, it's good to have people engage in the process, right, Amy? Yes, absolutely. All right, next up is uh, the youngest member of the most fascinating Southern Baptist list of the past couple of years. That's Zach McCuller. Yes, this was Zach who came and made um, the motion on the floor this year about having a, a children's ministry Sunday. And uh, it was just the coolest thing. Um, and I can attest to the fact he hand wrote that motion. And uh, when it came forward to the recording secretary, um, but he did a big thing. I mean, that was a room full of thousands of people. He stepped up to the microphone, made a great motion. And uh, we have that uh, recording we're going to play here just to remind people. People, but uh, go on over to uh, the blog post and learn a little bit more about Zach. I'm Zach McCuller from FBC Carbon Hill, and I'd l- I make a motion to request the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention to consider a children's ministry emphasis Sunday to be added to the SBC calendar of activities. I think we just I think we just heard the second. All right. All right, there was the recording, and like you said, yeah, he, he did a great job. Big room, a lot of people. There are some pastors who get at those microphones and forget their words and, and say weird things. We saw that even this year by uh, one pastor from New Mexico. So, Zach, well done, bro. Number eight is another one from the SBC annual meeting, Amy, and maybe the funniest moment of SBC 18, and that's Marvin Parker. 
Yes. So we have a recording of that as well. This was the gentleman who stepped up the messenger that came in the seminary president's report uh, to ask a question. But then actually what he was doing, it was more a point of personal privilege. And he said, I'd I'd really appreciate uh, the presidents and uh, Dr. Aiken, because I think it was at the end of Dr. Aiken's report. Uh, But my question is for anyone that uh, it's cold in here. Can we turn the heat on? And it was hilarious. Uh, A great moment. But I wanted to call attention to the message. Marvin Parker, he's pastor of Broadview Missionary Baptist Church in Illinois. He has been very active in SBC life, has served in a lot of ways, and has a great ministry in Illinois. Uh, So I wanted to kind of highlight him, that uh, he got our attention. Uh, But he's a fascinating person because of how he has contributed for years and years. Uh, So definitely check that out and learn more about uh, Pastor Parker. Yeah, and here's that moment of audio that just uh, absolutely owned the convention. My name is Marvin Parker. I'm the pastor at Broadview Missionary Baptist Church in uh, Broadview, Illinois. Uh, Mr. President, I know this is not a question for Dr. Aiken, of whom we appreciate and all our seminary uh, presidents, but it's cold in here. Can y'all turn the heat up or turn the air off? Thank you. And Amy, that it was true. It was cold in there. I was I was in a coat with long sleeves and I was freezing. And he he was right. I was freezing. I was grateful. I was grateful for Marvin Parker. Marvin, you're a hero, man, because it was freezing in there. All right. Next up, a a repeat. Because uh a repeat from last year, Scott Pruitt. Yes. So had to name uh, Scott Pruitt, who um, was had been the attorney general of the state of Oklahoma and then was serving a year ago as the um, administrator as as the head of the Environmental Protection Agency in the Donald Trump administration. Um, He has a lot of history in Southern Baptist life, had served as a trustee uh, for Southern Seminary, so very involved in that way. Uh, We had him on the list last year because his new role uh, with the EPA just really made him a fascinating Southern Baptist in 2017. But 2018 actually was a more difficult year than I was expecting when he was on the list last year. Uh, and and so he ended his tenure as head of the EPA. Uh, but that story, you know, captured a lot of news. So I'm just going to kind of summarize that in the post. Uh, but he definitely was still a Southern Baptist that was very fascinating in 2018. The only repeat person from the list. And then finally, Amy, this is kind of a, a group effort here, the the final fascinating Southern Baptist here, and that's the women of the SBC. This one I put all in one because there were a lot of women that I uh, wanted to put on this list because so many have played a major role in, in discussions this year. Um, but there were just so many that uh, there were more than 10 just women uh, to put on this list. So I want to say that the way um, that... A lot of women engaged the process this year, both in highs and lows, uh, has been very important and has sparked, you know, a major discussion such that we had two resolutions this year uh, that that directly were about um, highlighting women, you know, celebrating the 100th anniversary of women as messengers and also a resolution on um, abuse that uh, certainly was 
on the heels of a, a real discussion, um, both about, you know, women and children. Um, but women were a major part of that as well. And so I'll kind of expand on that a little bit more on the, on the post. But, uh, because you could not choose just one, uh, we're just going to say SBC women. That'll do it for our, our year end lists. And that brings us to our resource of the year. Now, last year it was a pretty easy, uh, choice, the She Reads Truth Bible. Uh, we, we had gushed about that all year long. This year was a little bit more difficult, but it, it, we, we landed on a tie, though. Uh, both of them Twitter accounts. Amy, I'm going to let you do the, the honors here and, and tell everybody what our resources of the year were. So our resources were Sarah Smith of the, now of the Houston Chronicle, but at the time of the Star-Telegram, the newspaper in Fort Worth, and the Twitter account SBC Explainer. Their Twitter accounts were our resources of the year. Yes, and the reason was, I mean, we don't normally do Twitter accounts, but the reason was there were a lot of uh, questions that people had out there, and both Sarah Smith and SBC Explainer on different fronts. SBC Explainer was ex- was explaining a lot of things about the SBC, uh, and Sarah was answering a lot of questions about events that were going on that people didn't have access to, particularly at Southwestern Seminary, um, and she was keeping people informed. So you had those moments, you know, where kind of everyone was sitting on Twitter and watching, and uh, and they were the ones that were providing that. So they were sort of a real-time resource to Southern Baptists this year. Um, what I appreciated about that was not not just their, you know, assistance in that, but also to just see how many people were engaged uh, in the process while it was happening. Yep, absolutely. And uh, just to clear up once and for all, Amy, neither you nor I are the SBC explainer. Because I, I think that may be the question I was asked more than anything this year. Right. A lot of people thought think that uh, it is me or you or both of us, and it is uh, absolutely not. There's no way I have enough to handle with my own Twitter account and uh, institutional accounts for Southeastern, and we have an SBC This Week account. That's about all we can handle. Yes, yes. So, we, But we appreciate people engaging in the process. So it's, uh, it's good to, to have the SBC explainer around to help with some of the finer points yes. of things. And, uh, and, and uh, by the way, we did throw out there that we were looking for a resource of the year, and a lot of suggestions came back about uh, for the church. Uh, we were not trying to ice out for the church, but we were talking specifically for a, like a new resource this year. Yeah. Um, so that was where that came into play. And runner-up, if we, if we had a runner-up, Amy, or an honorable mention, it would be SBC FAQs. Uh, your book, but Thank because you. I, I did because, not vote for you know, that. That's you saying that. Well, I did not but vote. because one of us is you know involved in the podcast, we thought that'd be kind of self serving and, and kind of grandstanding. So we we went away from that. Yes, but the hope is that that helps people engage in the process as well. Yes. So, so every, anything. But if that you gets don't have one, go buy one. So definitely, if you if you want to spend money on a resource of the year, that's one to do. You know, there you go. Twitter is free. So, but it's if you want a stocking stuffer, yes, it is. Even though Christmas is over now, but if you do a late Christmas with extended oh, that's family right. or something, that's right. We're recording the week before. Okay, late Christmas, New Year, buy it for anniversary birthday gifts, gift, whatever, whatever. My anniversary is next week, Amy. Should I get that for my wife? Um, yes, you should. You absolutely should. I should. I will never. I will never advise someone not to get that. Well, I'd like to make it to year seventeen, so I'm going to pass. All right, I understand. She probably would like something yes. else. Probably something All else. Right. Yes. Okay, right. well, that's going to do it for 2018 here on SBC This Week. Folks, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time each and every week to 
to listen to us and our banter and our antics. And, and hopefully we inform you along the way, get to help you get engaged in the process. That's what we're here for. Uh, we're, we're here to help Southern Baptists around the world uh, to become more engaged in what we do. And it, it, it's, it's amazing for us to, to go and to meet listeners. And if you ever see us at an event or you swing by Lifeway or Southeastern, be sure to stop in, say hello, uh, tell us you listen. We really appreciate that. We uh, most definitely appreciate you. Hope everyone has a happy new year and we will see you next year. See you next year. <laughs>